Eat, drink, smoke. Tony Katz, April D. Gregory, Fingers Malloy. Blend Bar Cigar is where we record in Indianapolis, Indiana. And Donald Trump in Baltimore. I wanted... It's been so much on the news over the past couple of days when it broke. And so we actually recorded this Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast in, in two days. We've never done that before. Usually when we do the podcast, we do it straight through. We do it from, from beginning uh, to end. This was because there was this really cool event going on with Ardbeg Scotch. And I wanted to get a chance to meet some people and talk to people, try the 10-year, and get into that. I'll, I'll share that in a little bit. But one of the things that kind of exploded was this, this madness about Baltimore. And the madness is that President Trump, being the guy who he is, being the guy on Twitter, as he always is, took to Twitter. He's very mad at Elijah Cummings. you got to understand, this wasn't a full-on, hey, let me uh, go slam Baltimore. No matter what anybody tells you, that's not how this started. It started with the fact that Elijah Cummings, who is the member of Congress from that area, right? He is also the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, and Elijah Cummings, of course, has a history. He has a history with civil rights. He has a history with, with being there for the marches, and it's, it's a kind of remarkable and fascinating history. As a member of Congress, and especially over the last decade or two, um, it's, it's the... It's the hyper-partisanship. It has nothing to do with what actually moves good policy. I don't think he actually engages good policy ever. And I think that when it comes to President Trump and, and the impeachment stuff and uh, being so willing with your committee to be an attack mechanism as opposed to, well, doing work. I don't mind that the Oversight Committee actually engages in oversight. I mind that the Oversight Committee is more interested in politics than they are in anything else. I mind that about everybody. I mind that everybody is more interested in how they get their their political party to win as opposed to how uh, things should get done, how America does better, how everything goes and grows and builds. I want things to go, grow, and build. I am not – I'm – you're never going to get me to be somebody who's like, you know what, Uh, the idea of government run anything is of value. It's not who I am. It's not who I am because I've read a book and I understand history and none of those things are worthwhile. I don't want what I'm seeing in today's world. I don't want this on the political scene. I think that many people are with me. But I also don't necessarily want tweets like this from President Trump, which has been taken out of context, but still, I'm going to get into that. So Elijah Cummings is all upset about the border. The southern border, of course, is this massive tipping point for a lot of people. But he's somebody who could do something about it. He's a member of Congress. He's got a vote. He can Make changes. You can change the asylum laws. You can keep families. You do all these things. If only guys like him and Representative Ocasio-Cortez and Speaker Pelosi and the rest would just do it. It's a, they control the House. They can do this. They can make these changes if they want to. Uh, but they, they don't want to. Again, it's about the politics. They hate Trump so much. It seems to me. Tell me if you think otherwise. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, can, you, can you leave a comment on a podcast? I think you can. I, uh, yeah, Twitter at Tony Katz. Leave a comment there. That's where you can find me. Twitter, Tony Katz. Facebook, Tony Katz. Radio, Instagram, Tony Katz. Like, they want to win. And I don't know what winning is. I, I think winning for them is, is the full-on destruction of, of President Trump. He can't be reelected. You can't have him in office. Absolutely, positively, no part of it whatsoever. That's what they consider to be winning. So you have this problem at the border. The Border Patrol can't handle the surge of people. They're not prepared. You know, they're not built to take in families. That's the real problem. They're not built to take in families like this. And you've got the Democratic Party that could make all the changes in the world. And they don't because they like the issue. They think the issue is a winner for them, even though I don't think it is. But like when you see kids at the border and they, the people in cages, whatever they call it, they, they like that imagery. If they didn't like the imagery and they'd really change things. They can, it doesn't matter that Representative Ocasio-Cortez cries. Crying is inconsequential. It doesn't mean absolutely anything whatsoever. She can cry all day and all night and take pictures of herself looking sad at the border, the rest of it. She's got to vote. You and I, we, we, we get to vote for representatives. Representatives actually get to vote for things. She's one of 435 people in a direct democracy, the only direct democracy, really, in America. There's the House and there's the Senate at the end. They get to actually vote. And they don't make a move. They don't do anything. 
And the only reason they don't do anything is because they think it's good politics. And that's gross. That's the absolute full-on horror show. This brings us to Elijah Cummings talking about the southern border and a guy by the name of Kevin McAleenan, who is the acting Homeland Security Secretary. And Cummings is screaming at him, yelling at him. The guy is, t- is testifying, right? He's, he's, he's there talking. And, oh, my gosh, it is just, it's brutal. It's just, it's, it's nonsense, screaming and yelling and, and, and the whole thing. It's, it was just, it was wrong. I don't care what anybody says. It was wrong. This leads to Donald Trump going uh, to Twitter. Representative Elijah Cummings has been a brutal bully. I mean, he was screaming and yelling at Kevin McElhinney. Has been a brutal bully, he tweeted, shouting and screaming at the great men and women of Border Patrol about conditions at the southern border, when actually his Baltimore district is far worse and more dangerous. His district is considered the worst in the USA. That's what the president tweeted. Now, that's not all he tweeted, because he continued... Um, as proven last week during a congressional tour, the border is clean, efficient, and well-run. Just very crowded. Cummings District is a disgusting, rat and rodent-infested mess. If he spent more time in Baltimore, maybe he could help clean up this very dangerous and filthy place. Now, everyone take a breath. Because half the people are screaming Baltimore is a mess, and half the people are screaming, how dare you? Man, if he was talking about your city, you'd probably be pretty pissed as well. You would. Of course you would. Baltimore is a mess. Baltimore has been a disaster from far before the Freddie Gray situation. The police there is, is, are absolutely demoralized. They're, the corruption there has been just unbelievable and massive. And yes, the district of uh, Elijah Cummings is not an attractive one. There are people already on the record, on video, saying, look at her here. It's, it is terrible. What has he done for us? He's done nothing for us. And that is... I argue true. The politics are always acceptable. It's acceptable to notice when people are failing. Baltimore is a failing city. San Francisco is a failing city. It is failing. That's not, that's, that's not political. This is factual. In San Francisco, they have people getting paid six figures to clean up human feces off the streets. It's the poop patrol. This is a real thing happening in real time. That's not a failure. I'm sorry. Of course that's a failure. that's a failure. How could we ever possibly think it otherwise? Baltimore is a failure, and Elijah Cummings has a lot of of questions to answer for. A lot of failures to answer for. But the way Trump put it together, just, I mean, this this is classic. Yes, people don't read. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you that people don't read. The way he's got it put together... Baltimore is a dangerous, filthy place. The difference between me saying it and the difference between the president saying it is that if you want to talk about America being great and on the rise, you don't call people filthy. You don't call places filthy and disgusting. The people of Baltimore don't deserve that. Elijah Cummings may deserve all of the abuse. So there's the issue. Cummings responds, Mr. President, I go home to my district daily. Each morning I wake up and I go and fight for my neighbors. It is my constitutional duty to conduct oversight of the executive branch, but it is my moral duty to fight for my constituents. That tweet has 243,000 likes. I have no idea what the hell he said. I have no idea what he said. None. None whatsoever. Let me tell you that I'm drinking the dovetail today. Yeah, I went with uh, some things that we know and love. A barrel. Bourbon, B-A-R-R-E-L-L. That's what it's called. Barrel bourbon. This is the dovetail, which is a mix of, of bourbons from Indiana. I always thought it was from uh, Kentucky as well, but I think it's actually Tennessee. Um, so uh, you have an 11-year-old bourbon that's distilled in Tennessee, finished in uh, rum casks uh, and uh, some port casks. And then you've got this 10-year-old whiskey, uh, which is a blend from Indiana, finished in uh, Cabernet battle barrels. It's very, very good. Hold on a second. Mm. It's very good. The proof is wicked high. 122.9. But you get that unbelievable sweet at, at the end there. That whole level of, 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 of port, that those dark 
dark, rich kind of fruits. Um, it is sweet. Toasted marshmallow is one way it gets described. You might have to be a better bourbon drinker than me to be able to say that. But that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm drinking as, a, as, as I talk to you. I'm going to get to the cigar in a second. I'm uh, taking an aim on a charcuterie plate. Honestly, I, I, I don't know what people are supposed to eat with bourbon. Oh, I have a steak with bourbon. No, no, no. I want my steak to be alone. And then I want to have things afterwards. But if I'm going to... If I'm going to eat something uh, with bourbon, it's usually just uh, charcuterie. You know, give me some, give me a, a, a nutty kind of cheese. Uh, and it works with almost everything. Works with almost uh, everything. It's what I like. I don't know if it's what everybody else likes. So there is a, the difference that we have to get to with, with, with this Trump Cummings thing is the difference between people and policy. If you want to argue that Elijah Cummings was wrong in the way he treated the uh, the acting homeland security secretary. I'll agree because he was. It was ridiculous nonsense for show politics trash. That's all it was. We could treat kids better than this. Come on, man! And he's screaming and he's yelling and he's carrying on when he could do something about it. He does nothing about it. That's the politics. Trump's tweet isn't the worst thing in the world. But he should have focused it on take care of your district and then come come with the receipts, like just bring stats. So, for example, this idea of a rodent and rat infested. I mean, that's that's one heck of a thing to say. Rat and rodent infested mess. Well, there was a cover story a few years back in the Baltimore Sun about the rodent problem. About the rat problem in Baltimore. And, you know, with Trump, nothing ever just happens. It's not getting said out of nowhere. He heard it. He read it. He saw it. It sticks in the back of his head. And then when the opportunity comes, boom, he puts it out there. But it's sometimes not within the same parlance, right? Right. It was said as, uh, hey, you know, here's a... A problem that is happening in Baltimore. And so the next thing you know, Baltimore is a rat and rodent infested mess. So he's not he's not wrong. Right? That's that's always the way it kind of gets positioned. Anytime you see a tweet from, from, from Donald Trump, and no matter what they scream, take a breath, take a beat, wait for it, there's a story. Very rarely is it just complete and total and utter what the hell. The problem with the tweet is that it made it seem like the people of Baltimore are the problem as opposed to the leadership of Baltimore are, of, are the problem. Now, the people are the problem because they're electing this dude, right? So that's where the conversation goes, and that's an acceptable place for it to go. People who elect bad people often get bad results. You elect failed leadership, you will get poor results. That goes for everywhere, not just in Baltimore. But when you're the president of the United States, take the moment. Oh, Tony, you just don't want him punching. Let him punch all he wants. Elijah Cummings was wrong, and I don't mind you taking on Elijah Cummings. There are no sacred cows. He was a civil rights icon. What does that matter to what he's doing right now where he's 100% wrong? I mean, he's wrong in his attitude. He's wrong in his style. He's wrong in his presentation. He's wrong in his performance. He's wrong in his delivery. He's just wrong on every single level. Why can't I say that? Why? Because somebody wants to make it racial. Now, breathe on this one. They want to make this racial because Baltimore is a predominantly black city. And therefore, they want to say that calling it rodent and rat infested is a racial slur. Oh, we're reaching. You know, I have a theory. And and the theory is, is that the political left always overplays their hand. Always, always, always. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when or where or how. The left always overplays their hand. It doesn't mean that the right is always correct. We can find things to disagree on. And we find things that we find maybe disagreeable. But the left always overplays their hand every single time. So it start, they start this conversation. It's like, holy cow. They can't even wait four seconds to find out what Trump is talking about. They're immediately going to the racial spot. That leads to a tweet from Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi, who just got called a racist by, you know, Representative Ocasio-Cortez and that whole group, goes to Twitter 
Representative Cummings is a champion in the Congress and the country for civil rights and economic justice, a beloved leader in Baltimore and a deeply valued colleague. We all reject racist attacks against him and support his steadfast leadership. And ball game. It's like you didn't even have to wait. You didn't have to wait to even ask the question. I wonder how they're going to make this racial. There you go. First, if you are a champion for economic justice, sorry, I've got no time for you. Anything justice, doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter, doesn't matter what it is. If you have economic justice, racial justice, social justice, uh, wh- whatever, whatever it is, you, uh, climate justice, anything you put justice, that's code for wealth redistribution. That's all it is. All it is, all can ever be. When they talk about these things, they are talking about how to take money from person A and give it to person B. It has no other purpose. But when I tell you that the political left always overplays their hand, every single time, this wasn't racial. It was Elijah Cummings who was screaming at the white acting Homeland Security Secretary, Kevin McAleenan. This wasn't racial. It was Elijah Cummings, who has the vote in the House and can actually do something about the border situation. But he does nothing except scream and yell and try and put on a show that gives him some sound bites so he can show his district how tough he is. Meanwhile, you know what his district is saying? Why are we always talking about the border? What about us? Now, some people in his district said them things about we should get this. Why don't we get a free this or a free that? I don't believe in any of that. But the, the base argument is, why are those people at the border more important than we, the people who are American citizens, who vote for you? And that's a question none of these people can answer. They just can't answer the question. They don't even try. They just so disregard them. Elijah Cummings, I would argue, takes his district for granted. 150%. Takes his district for granted and figures, you know what? I'm here. They're going to vote for me. Of course, that's the way it's going to go. The end. Thank you very much. Good night. That's what he does. So you're going to hear a lot about this. Everyone's going to be talking about this. They're going to throw this on there. Just more proof that President Trump is racist. You can make an argument that he needs to clean up his tweet game. He would have a happier time if he cleaned up his tweet game. But you can't argue that this is racist. It's just not. We can discuss a thing without having to get into the, oh, you know, the racial animus. We don't need it in our lives, guys. We don't need any part of it. It's absolutely killing us. And the left has decided, I mean, really decided, this is the only play in the playbook. This is the whole, this is the, this is the alpha and the omega, right? This is the beginning and the end and the everything that they've got. It's not doing us any good. And it's not doing them any good. They, in 2015, there's a, an article, or it's, a, it's an article um, that quotes Bernie Sanders. I think I have it. It quotes Bernie Sanders. There it is. From the Baltimore Sun. 2015, Bernie Sanders likens West Baltimore to a third world country. Racist? Just asking the question. In 2016, a year later, Bernie has a tweet. Because there's a tweet for everything and the tweet says residents of Baltimore's poorest boroughs have lifespans shorter than people living under dictatorship in North Korea that is a disgrace now that is a disgrace and I'm not a fan of Bernie Sanders on any level of policy whatsoever what I like about that tweet is that it has you have to be able to back that up you have to be able to take a look at lifespans and if that's true, which uh, let's make the argument that it is. Bernie Sanders is nuts on, on, on his socialism, but maybe he had the data here. If the lifespan in West Baltimore is, is shorter than that of an entire people that don't actually get given food to eat. Well, then how can Elijah Cummings fight for his district? The hell he does. No, he doesn't. He doesn't fight for anything. He fights to have himself in Congress. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. He rests on his long history. He does nothing for now. He takes the money, gives a few speeches. I'm sorry, that's wrong? No, I think that's exactly the conversation. So, you know, maybe I gotta give the president more credit. His tweets aren't clean. His tweets are a big, hot mess. 
but they get people talking. And if we're now going to talk about the absolute failures of neighborhoods that have repeatedly elected the leadership that has provided them absolute failure, oh, that's a good conversation. I can get down with that. Say what you will about Trump. These tweets being racist, uh, they're not. This is Eat Drink Smoke. Eat Drink Smoke, back at it. Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. No, we don't need all three. Just pick one. Oh, gosh. How are we going to drink three scotches? JoJo here. Blend has a lot of faith in us. (laughs) Tony Katz, April D. Gregory. Uh, Beth Ann Kendall is here. So Beth Ann Kendall has the the maybe better job than us. Uh, She is the portfolio portfolio specialist for Ardbeg in Indiana. Ardbeg is scotch. And we have traditionally, and this is my fault. I mean, I'm the guy who is responsible for this, shied away from scotches. It's been bourbons. We've done wine. We've done rye. We've got really good results with rye, but have shied away from scotches. And we're here at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana, and you're doing an event, uh, Bethann, with with Blend. So you've brought the Ardbeg bus, and you've got the the, the three different kinds of Ardbeg that that we're talking about here. Um, And and I want to get into what they are. But I start with something that, I mean, we talked about a little bit before we, we turned on the mics. I have traditionally, as a cigar smoker, shied away from scotches. I tried, when I started cigars, I would try it with scotch, and I found I was the guy in competition with myself for enjoyment. And the first words out of your mouth were, yeah, that makes sense. Which I think kind of blows people away because they expect cigar and scotch to go together. It does make sense. Um, However, with the peatiness of some scotches, it does compete with each other, and it does not make sense to pair them together. So, so you're, you're really okay with the idea that, listen, if you're going to enjoy Ardbeg, for example, because different scotches, different, different things, different results, if you're going to enjoy it, uh, don't mess with it. I mean, that's, that's where you're at, right? That's where I'm at. And I would not pair Ardbeg with cigars. Okay. But I would pair other scotches from other areas with cigars. Um, something with a sherry finish, something that has a little sweetness to it, but definitely something that's not as smoky as Ardbeg. Okay, so let's talk about this now because I'm not an expert, but I have skills, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the Highlands, the Isla, and the Lowlands yeah. when we talk about scotches. And I-S-L-A-Y, I pronounced it Islay for forever and a day. I was wrong. It's pronounced the Isla. Yeah. And depending, you know, the Highlands is where you have the least amount of smoke and the least amount of peat. The lowlands is where you have the most amount of smoke and the most amount of peat. Am I right about this? No, Isla... Uh, see, see, I almost had her, April D. Gregory. Almost, I was a star. Isla's the peatiest of okay. everything. Um, Lowland is peaty, but not near near as bad as the Isla region. And the Highland is the least peaty. And just to kind of give you a level, like Ardbeg has what they call 55 fennels. Per million, which is a peat level, and okay. um, most Highland scotches are a two. So oh gosh, huge difference. And what about so in the Lowlands? What would that, what is that level called? It's called phenol. Phenol. F i n n a l or f h e n o l. C. F h. I'm spelling it like a dumb American. <laughs> so, Not like somebody who's from the nation. But the Lowlands would be. More in the fifteen to twenty range. Okay, so I had it wrong. It is the it's the Isla where it's the, the Isla. real peaty. And there's only eight distilleries in Isla, and they're all very peaty, um, but all very delicious. Okay, so I got we got to find out which one it is she poured us. Can you can you tell just by sipping it, Bethann? Oh, this is a good quiz. Can you tell? Just I'm going to say tenure. Okay, let's say this is the tenure then. Okay. So this is the Ardbeg tenure. A R D B E G. Correct. Ardbeg tenure. Talk this to me about. Smells like nothing I've ever the, smelled before. What the heck? It is. Your fan club is taking photos. I know. While you do the thing, does he know what he's talking about too? No. All right. Well, then we'll leave him right <laughs> over there. You're doing fine work, sir. Talk to me about what this is. The tenure. Okay. So the tenure is aged ex bourbon barrel. Um, Glenn Morangi was or Ardbeg. I'm sorry. Was established in 1815. So we've been doing this for a minute, and um, the idea is we take the barley, we smoke it in peat to give it that smokiness to it. How does that it. work? You smoke it in peat. What? It- so it's subflooring, and underneath the 
you took the barley on the main floor, and underneath it, they steam or burn peat under it, so it, it comes smokes through? up through the flooring. Through the barley? Yes. Oh, okay. And it smokes the barley to give it that peatiness. April Gregory doesn't, does not look pleased at the moment. She looks confused. No, I know, but just I, on the I nose. am You're not unpleased. I am just trying to When you out taste it, you're smelling diesel fuel mixed with candied berries and a little creme brulee. And it's Is very diesel fuel organic because uh, that's kind of a big thing for me. Honestly, <laughs> that's a world-class description of that nose. I mean, it's beautiful. And when you try it, you're just going to get so much complexity and so much flavor in it. All right, I got to go back. So you're, you're, you're burning the peat and the smoke is coming up and it's, and it's in, in getting ingested by the barley. Yes. Okay. So you're the smoking the barley. Right. Okay, then... By the way, smoking the barley, that's a world-class name for a band. (laughs) It is. Then you take the barley and you ferment it into what would be considered kind of like a malt. Kind of like beer. Okay. Like you would make beer, but then you distill it. And once you distill it, it takes all the impurities out and you get just a, a pure alcohol. And that's where you get a clear, smoky... This. Uh huh. Okay. But the color comes from the age. Now, this color is extremely light compared to other things you might think of. So, we take ex bourbon barrel and we throw it in there for 10 years. Ex, so, former bourbon barrels. There's, that's Correct. What you mean by we have a distillery down south, south of Indiana, that we use, that we buy their barrels. We've been doing it forever. Is south of Indiana also known as Kentucky? Probably. All right. You know, you're, you are allowed to say that here. We don't get that offended. We get somewhat offended, but we don't get that offended. But we've been doing business with this company for a long time. We buy their barrels, and um, we age a minimum of 10 years. So in Scotland, it has to be a minimum 10 years, or you cannot put tenure on the label. So it could be as young as 10 years, but it could be as old as 15. Are there other requirements for it to be known as scotch? I mean, it has to come from the region. It has to be distilled twice. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, so the first distillation is 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 just they basically two distill do two distillations to get some of the flavor out, but not all the flavor. It's a pot still, so the pot still gives it that complexity and right. keeps it more texture, more flavor. So it's not okay. like a vodka. So from the region, from that, that part It has of the world, to be from Scotland. And it has to be distilled twice. Correct. Otherwise, it's not Scotch. Correct. Okay. So this, on the nose, you called it diesel fuel it's and like creme brulee. Yes. No, it's more something medicine-y, I feel like. Yeah. A little band-aid. Antiseptic is absolutely true. Yeah. And this is the part where people are like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. Uh, where's... You know, give me something fruity. Where's your sense of adventure? You gotta try it. Okay, taste it because when you taste it, you're getting fruit. Okay. Where's where's my cue? I'm not doing it here. I'm just doing a selfie first. Just trying to cleanse the bottle. (laughs) All right. So, when we do bourbon, we always have talking about the Kentucky chew. You got to kind of like swish it around and get it around. Same. Same thing. Because you want it to hit all all the sensories on the tongue. Okay. Okay. All right. You're gonna get fruitiness in the front. You're going to get a little bit of spice and then a beautiful finish on the back end. Fruitiness on the front. You're getting fruitiness. And then you're going to get... So like candy... antiseptic. It's still going to be candied berries on the front of the palate. All right. All right. Hold on. April, while you're, while you're giving yourself a selfie there, there's never a moment where April D. Gregory is doing a selfie. It's because it takes 18 hours to get one that I like. All right. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm in. Okay. Come I'm on. in too. There we go. Ooh, okay. And then there's the smoke. Yeah. You see, the, the smoke part, and this is exactly why you can't do it with a scar, that. Okay, but try it with your food. No, 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 I, it's I will. like I just, beautiful pairing. It, it, and it isn't about that. It's that. that there's so much happening. We go with the cheese. That oh, with yeah. a cigar, that it, it all cancels each other out, becomes a hot mess. Yes. There are three or four different things happening here. First, really perfect description the stuff the you spray in the back of your throat when you have a cold. A little uh, chloroceptic? Yes. Oh, yeah. Right? That's, mm-hmm. that's what's happening on the tongue. think of that as something that you can enjoy. Then this whole sm- what the, the smoke thing that takes over, for me, through the back of the throat and then down the nose. Yes. It's the strangest, most peculiar 
kind of sensation are you do you recommend it with a cube do you re- recommend it with a drip of water do you re- how do you do it i do it neat you um, do it, well you are ha- tougher than me however Have you seen you it's higher in alcohol so you could do a cube or a little bit of water uh, what is the proof on this? 46. 46? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not high at all. I mean, we do I mean, some, it, some knock your mom right in the face kind of burp. Some of the other ones are up to 56, but yeah, the, for the 10-year, it's just simple. All right, one of the things you talk about spice, and there is, I almost want to say clove, I'm probably wrong. Um, we call it Christmas cake. Oh. Okay, so I'm, I'm close. Okay, you are. Yes, it does have clove in it. And it's that, but you know, that baking spice. Yeah, sure. No, no, the, those baking spices is, is, is probably the way I will describe it from now on. It is, when we talk spice about bourbon, we often talk about the heat that it brings. Like sometimes it stings the tongue, sometimes it burns the tongue. Whether you feel it in the throat, whether you feel it in the top of the chest, whether you feel it in the, in, in the mid chest. You do not feel it as a big heat on the tongue. You, I feel it in the chest first and then the back of the throat. That's because it's a non-chill filter, which means it still has all the oils and everything that's originally in it. It gives it more texture and more complexity. So when you're drinking it, it adds. Right. It just adds that creaminess and, and it's smoother. What is the overall mash bill here on the Art Deck Tenure? And it's just barley. It's just barley. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. No. Just barley. Correct. Is all scotch just barley? Yes. It's always barley. It has to be. Then what makes the so there are eight air eight different people in the the island. Yes. Who do who do this? What makes them different? Is the does it is it chill filter or non chill filter? How long are they aging it? And how they peat the barley? Because you obviously we overpeat our right. barley versus Which is how other long places. You let it burn and, and let the yes. barley absorb it. Because the more the more peatiness, the better. But not everybody does that. In the this is Beth Ann Kendall, by the way, portfolio specialist for Ardbeg Indiana. In the world of spirits and mm-hmm. how things are going right now, one of the things that we've talked about is millennials have done a remarkably good job. And getting people serious about their drinks. Yes. They want to know story. They mm-hmm. want to know where it's from. And they want to know how it is made. And it's, it, for all the, the abuse they take, and some of it rightfully so, uh, this is one thing that they've done rather excellent on. Has Scotch been a beneficiary of millennials? I would say I see it more in wine than I do in spirits. For the millennials that I generally work with, they don't drink to get drunk. Right. Does that make sense? They would rather spend more money and have a really quality glass of something than to go out and buy the cheap stuff and just get trash. Mm -hmm. We have found this more and more. I mean, April talks about it all the time. It is is that quality conversation, which is a good one. Mm -hmm. Quality should matter. But consumption-wise, it's a lot less than you would think. So... How how does Scotch do, and how is it doing in today's world uh, here in the here in the U.S. compared to bourbon, compared to uh, other types of of hard spirits, whether it be vodka, tequila, things like that? I would say it's doing just as well. It was Scotch that started the bourbon craze, if you ask me. It was people getting into brown spirits, and then they saw how different everything was in Scotland, all the different types and styles of scotches, and then they went from there into bourbons because bourbon is a similar style. It just is a little sweeter, a little richer in flavor, and there's a ton of different styles of bourbon out there as well. I... You know, it's me, and I know it's me. I I totally get that. It's not that it's bad. It's not it. It's, It's fascinating. But I, I swear to you, I feel like I need, like this is, this is a simple pour, right? This was not a giant pour of no, any kind. I would need serious time. Really? Because like, I'm almost done. You see, you have a problem, and we should talk about what's <laughs> happening a, with you. It, it is the who it, hurt you as a child. It Show is me a on the very doll. different flavor, and I normally don't like a smoky effect, but this is 
it's kind of, I don't want to say addicting, but there's something about it that I keep wanting to keep having another sip. You're, and you're yeah. going to put it on a cube. You're no, doing I'm neat. just doing it straight. Neat. On a cube, would, it, does, would the water open it up or would the water really empty it out? No, it opens it up. Try the cube. And think no, I'm of, gonna, I'm just pour you it. have your scotch and your cigar all in one in this. So you go sit outside. Mm-hmm. You have everything you need right here in a glass. This is... Well, don't tell the customers that. <laughs> Not a blend. <laughs> Not a Indianapolis, Indiana, okay, Nashville, water Houston, uh, Pittsburgh. You're talking about the cigar lounge of Cigar Lounge. So I'm trying with a little water in it. You put water in it too? Yeah. But to a touch of the spice, it mellows it out, but... Nah, it's still there on the throat. It's yeah, still but I think I liked, it. I liked it better without the water. Yeah. It's still there on the nose. No, what? I'll take the water. And, and listen, you're tougher than I am. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I'll, I'll, this is, is, is the other Ardbegs that you've got. You've got the 10-year. What are the other ones? I have Oogadol, which is finished in ex-sherry cask. So does that give it a sweeter? Yes. Okay. Even so, sweeter than, than, than this. And this is actually sweet. It's not just smoky. There is a sweet there. It's kind there of interesting. Is. And the other one is? Corey Vrecken. Which Wait, say that again. Corey Vrecken. Corey Vrecken? Mm-hmm. With a V? Corey Vrecken? Corey Vrecken. Oh, look at it's a whirlpool. It's the second largest whirlpool in the world. Oh. And it's just off of Scotland. And that's why we called it that. Um, and it's finished in New Oak. So we do 10 years in ex-bourbon and everything that we do. That's how everything starts. And then the finishing cast is the virgin oak, so it's very spicy. It's it's a lot more in your face as far as that bright, spicy So you just spicy transfer it from bar- barrel to barrel. Correct. Now the barrels, So this is the base. This is, yeah, That's the base. That's okay. the base for all the things. Now okay. the question is, the barrels that you've used, do you reuse them? I do not know that. Well, that's a curiosity. I would assume so. All right. Um, now, so you're... And again, I want to just remind you, everybody... You don't have to do it with a cigar. That's, that's not a crime to say, no, I do my scotch separate. You're down with that idea. I'm down with that. But if you did a cigar, do something that's not as full-bodied. Right. Yeah, there's plenty of options that are... Maybe rock something with a Connecticut shade, you know, mm-hmm. something of, of, of that lighter kind of feel. Yeah. Definitely a mile. All right. I've learned something. Bethany and Kendall. Thank Hard you. Bag. Go check it out. Eat, drink, smoke. Tony Katz, April D. Gregory. What, what are we saying about fingers? He's on assignment. Is that on assignment? Basically, it. Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. Fingers will be back with us in a little bit. Fanimation, our great sponsor. Have you bought a Fanimation fan? Have you thought about a Fanimation fan? Why not? We're talking about the best ceiling fan in America. Fanimation.com. Indoor or outdoor. Whisper quiet, built to your styling, right? You create the style, the look of what you want. Each house is different. Your house is different than somebody else's house. And those other people have no style. Those other people live in disgusting squalor compared to you. So you might as well have a ceiling fan that matches your home. That's why you need Fanimation. Fanimation Fanimation.com. They're based right here in Indiana, but they're sold the nation over. That's where they are. And you can have one in your home. Or you want it outdoors, right? I'm actually starting to work on, am I going to build like a, like a covered patio uh, outside and then a Fanimation fan, I mean a giant one, or maybe two, are going in because you want, uh, me, I just want the air circulation, right? At Blend Bar Cigar, all the ceiling fans, every single one is a Fanimation.com fan, which means they can handle a lot of industrial use. You're never going to use it like that, right? Not in your home. You, you could say you are, but you know you're not. And this fan can handle everything, and that's what you want. You want to know that you're putting your money towards something that's going to last. Fanimation.com. It lasts and lasts and lasts and lasts. So do yourself a favor. Buy a ceiling fan from Fanimation.com. Fanimation.com is where you go. Now, we were talking uh, the, the... Oh, you're right there? Ooh. Yeah, you just, how much have you had to... No, you only had one. Scotch. One scotch. That was it. And now we're on to... Which is way more than one-sixteenth of a scotch you had. Well, you know, I admit that I am not that guy. I'm, I rarely finish anything. True. I want to sip. I want to enjoy it. I want to try it. I want to see what it's all about. But finishing has just never been, at least in cigars, it's, I mean, in, in scotch, it's never been my thing. tee <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> I fell you. fell in for fingers there. <laughs> and I just... 
actually doing a couple cigars uh, today because just the way it's all working out. The Davidoff 702 Series 2000, we've actually done it before. It's an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper uh, with a uh, Ecuadorian Connecticut uh, Habano uh, hybrid in the binder, Dominican in the filler. This is not a, a big cigar, right? It's a five, little over five inches uh, in length, so and a forty-three ring gauge. So this is a this isn't a Lancero. I mean, maybe you know what? Maybe if you were in the seven-inch category, eight-inch category, you'd get there. But this is just an easy, simple cigar with all the things that we were trying: some scotch here and a couple other things. Wanted something that could maybe go with it all and take care of it all. This is it's not necessarily the the cheapest cigar for the size. You're talking about sixteen to twenty dollars. Uh, a stick, but Davidoff did excellent, excellent work uh, with this, right? You're going to get a fair amount of earth with the Dominican in there. You're going to get uh, some subtle pepper notes uh, that come uh, throughout. Some people discuss uh, fig. I can't tell you what fig is supposed to taste like in a cigar, but some coffee notes and maybe, you know, maybe think of it as a little bit more of those kind of earthy berries is, is, is a way to possibly think of it. And because of what we've been drinking, Everything tastes a little bit different. That's the way it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear this whole conversation about Ardbeg and, and the scotch and how, yeah, don't do a cigar with, with, with scotch, especially from the Isla, which is the, 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 the peatiest area to which you, you get scotch. So don't be you know, freaked out by the fact that, oh, it's scotch. I don't, I don't do a cigar with that. You're probably doing, I think, for you, the right thing. For me, I do it that way. I tried doing cigars with scotch for forever. I couldn't get it to work. It was competing forces. And I didn't want it. So now I do it with bourbon, and it works out much better. Or usually, coffee. To me, a cigar and coffee Mm -hmm. is the right-on fantastic conversation, anytime, day or night. I have been, April D. Gregory, discussing, and I am more and more convinced, although there are some drawbacks, and I want to get into those, discussing the idea that you should let your kid be a YouTube star. 150%, you should allow your kid... To be a YouTube star, allow them to make videos. You just got to keep an eye on them and keep them from being stupid. Right. I mean, that, that, that's really it. So the, the sto- there are two stories. The first is that there's a guy by the name of Logan Paul. You may have never heard of Logan Paul. He started off as a star on Vine, and then Vine went away, and he moved to YouTube. <gasps> Vine! And yeah, I loved Vine. Me too. Those six-second videos. They oh should bring that goodness. back. Oh, my goodness. And then, and then he's, he's a star. When I say he's a star, in an average month, he makes somewhere between fifteen dollars and $250,000 a month nice. just from YouTube. With merchandise sales in 2018, he made $14.5 million. He's 25 years old. Oh, my gosh. He's a yutt. Now, it might all be an act for all I know. What he's famous for or infamous for is that he shot a video in Japan in this forest that is known for people going to commit suicide. And actually took videos of some bodies. Oh I mean, it's really, it's an awful scene, the, the, the suicide oh issue. Um, but he kind of utilized it to his advantage, if you will. And man, he got lambasted for it. There were apologies. Video was taken down. And he says, uh, you know, I've, I've taken a hit for it. And he went on CNBC. It was a Fox business, Fox business. And did an interview where he said his financial manager told him for the first time he is spending more than he brings in. Oh, brought in $14.5 million. $14.5 million last year and he's spending more than he's bringing in. Now he's 24, 25 years old. I can't tell him how to live. He's a schmuck. If you're ma- just on the videos $250,000 a month, you're spending more than that? You're doing your videos wrong. You're not doing your videos wrong. You're doing your financial planning wrong. You're doing your life you're wrong. Sp- yeah, you're doing your life wrong. You're, you should be, he could be setting himself up for life and be set for life. In a, a year's worth of <laughs> right. more than like three months worth. The other person. Put that away. Let it gain interest. The other person is Borum, uh, South Korean YouTuber. Borum does toy reviews. Reviews toys. And on their toy review channel, they have 13.6 million subscribers. Then uh, it's a she. She does a, a, a video blog with 17.6 million subscribers. And the story is, is that Borum just bought an $8 million five-story house in South Korea. Borum is six years old. <laughs> and mom and dad take video of her reviewing toys and people go out of their minds crazy and had enough money to buy 
this house. Now, it is with a six-year-old that I think you start asking the questions of, okay, can we discuss the child exploitation possibilities right. here? What if six-year-old doesn't want to do a video that day? Right. How does that all work out in the family? But 25-year-old, my point is, what I'm supposed to obsess about college for my kids? I'm sorry. I think I'm in the new world. If you want to go to college, that's fine. Now you you're going to obsess this? about getting them on YouTube. What's wrong with this world? I mean, and I'm not saying that like everybody's crazy. I'm saying, wait a second. If this is the way you make money, we do a podcast. Now, people, from what I know, aren't making this kind of money in podcasts. I don't know if Rogan's making this kind of money. I don't know if Corolla's making this kind of money. The guys at Pod Save America or Ben Shapiro or some of the, those other kind of in the ether kind of podcasts. Right. I, I admit very Just clearly. Just on the podcasting. Right? We're not in the in the ether category yet. We'll right. get there. But my God. Why would I tell my kids, oh, no, no, no. Serious people get a college education and become accountants. Yeah. Why would I do that to them? I mean, you're going to have to deal with the fact, April, you've got a kid. You're going to have this conversation. I'm going to have it when I get home tonight. We're going to get her on YouTube. Oh, you're not waiting for her to come to you. You're going to be like, you you will do this. Here's a toy. (laughs) Are you kidding me? She loves unwrapping presents, so. (laughs) Yeah, so that's the... uh, that's like, that's like part of the fear, though. People saying, oh, yeah, I can put, make my kid do this, that, and the other, and because there have been stories like that. So that's, that's, not, um, that's not exclusive to this topic, though, right? People push their kids to go play baseball and keep playing. Oh, you're good. Here, get lessons, get lessons, or gymnastics, or whatever. People push their kids in all sort certain different ways. So I don't know. I mean, this. Not that it's okay in anything, but if you're pushing your kid to make a YouTube video, what if there's an argument and a difference between pushing your kid to participate and pushing your kid to perform? They're two very different things. How many sh- how many uh, cuts? do you do or how many takes do you do of unwrapping the thing until right. you feel all of a sudden every parent is Kubrick you know what I mean 157 right. shots m- make Shelley Duvall literally have a nervous breakdown just so Jack Nicholson can get that one good shot in with an axe it's the shining people you might want to see it I've never seen it really yeah oh you guys it surreal I mean it's frightening and surreal and dear lord Kubrick is that good um but that's, I think, the fear. Now, the other side is most parents are normal. And I'm telling you, my kids have come to me. They've asked about it. Now, I do certain things with my kids. You're not allowed to use your real name. And I still wouldn't allow them any social media accounts. But I have turned the corner on this one. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. And if you ask me what's the difference between this and a social media account, you don't need Twitter. You don't need uh, Instagram. You don't, no, 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 no. Don't be interacting like that. Share content, share things that you create, let people leave comments, keep that arm's length of distance. Will they see them on camera? We haven't decided that one yet. Mm-hmm. But how am I supposed to? I don't know if I'm doing them a service by telling them no. I'm doing everything I can to keep them safe and in some ways, you know, keep them at distance from me because I never want what I do to interfere with what they do. To, to any level of negative. I don't want that for them. I want them to be able to experience and do based on their own merits and their own creativity and their own talents to which they have, you know, and I'm, it's fun to watch. It really is fun to watch and see how they kind of right. come up with, with concepts, ideas, and how they how they make them come to, to be. And it isn't like it's an expensive proposition. I found a guy on Craigslist selling a green screen and a microphone and a webcam and a, and a, and a, a boom a, a stand uh-huh. and like two other things. 40 bucks. So like, okay, here, here, go nice. start doing stuff. Prove that you can do stuff. Yeah. And if you want to increase your equip- the equipment, we can do that. But at least you'll prove it by creating it. We've got the computers. Go edit. Teach yeah. yourself. Watch a YouTube video on how to edit. So go your do kids are doing this. They're practicing, yeah. They're practicing. Nice. Yeah, there is no, there is no channel as of, as of yet. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't announce it here. Like, I wouldn't, I just, I wouldn't do it. I'm, no, no. I'm super insane yeah. on, 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 right, on that right. level. But how could I tell them no? Why would I tell them no? Well, it's creativity. It's no different than giving them a paintbrush if they like to paint and letting them paint. They're creating a form of art, what they're doing, what they're, what, 
with the videos. I think people still do the stigma thing of, oh, you can't, you can't, that's not a serious thing. Yeah, sure it is. So how many more times do you want to see it? And I agree with you. Not everybody's going to make $14.5 million no, a year. And they might not even be houses. a YouTube star, but they might learn that they like being a director or a producer mm-hmm. of films or whatever. And, and it's it, the, the, to create the content is to create the opportunity because content is king. It doesn't matter. You know, I do six hours of radio a day. I do 30 hours of radio a week. We do the podcast every week. The videos that are coming and growing. Content is everything. And you know what? You know what everyone else tells me? You need to write more. I already create all this every week. Oh, no, no. Mm-hmm. You need to write articles. Where's your book, Tony? Where's your book? Screw you. There's where my book is. <laughs> oh, if I could write a book. You know how many times I've tried? You know how many times I've tried to write a book? I can't do it. Because I get into my own head and I'm like, this is, this is crap. And I stop. And I stop. It's like when I read a book. I can't get any enjoyment out of reading a book. Really? I start re- very rarely. I start reading, and I'm like, no, 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 no. People don't talk like that. No, no, no. I can't buy the that that dialogue. And I'm like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm out. I can't. I can't. I just can't enjoy it. It's it killed. Do you read like as a? I do like reading. I don't get to read as much as I like to anymore. But do you read like like fiction or is it like historical? Um, or? I do like historical fictions a okay. lot. Um, that's probably my biggest genre right now. Um, You're not a young adult fan. You know, like Harry you know, Potter, like a Twilight Lady, Harry Potter, yes, okay, and Twilight. I read that too, but yeah, I like that. I like nonfiction as well, but a lot of times nonfiction is hard to get into depending on the subject. History, I'm enjoying, mm-hmm. right? But I still just it just it doesn't. I don't. And uh, the worst part is like two pages and I'm asleep. I'm gone. Yeah. I don't know how people. Yeah, you can, can re- scroll on Facebook for four hours and it, it, nothing. But if you start reading a book, you're sleeping five minutes I have caught myself at times because you know following some social media trends is part of the gig and you know and I'm looking at stuff and looking at stuff and all of a sudden I'm like what the hell am I doing I just turn it all off because mm-hmm. this is no way to spend my life yeah absolutely no way yeah. to spend my life oh, I haven't yeah. done anything in four hours but scroll through Facebook yeah but totally let let the kids yeah let them do let them create be supportive in that what, let me know what you think. I mean, let me know on Twitter, at Tony Katz. See, you, we won't be able to let my kids know on Twitter. You can let me know, <laughs> at, at Tony Katz. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.